Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. Joining us this week is Sarah Omenson, who's the administrator for the state court system. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, it's nice to be here. So Sarah, the reason I wanted to talk to you is the court system is requesting some additional funding from the legislature this year to support a really big technology overhaul that your branch of the government has taken in the past couple of years. Can you talk to me about um, what Idaho's court technology used to look like and the changes you've been making to it over the last several years? Sure. Um, so in 2014, the court moved from a paper system into an electronic system. Uh, when that was set up, it was the architecture of that system was designed based upon what we knew at the time. So what we knew about how we needed to function, where things were going to be stored, um, and what the risks to that system might look like. So. We're about, what, 10 years later. Um, and what we've learned is, is actually the, the threats that we face, the risk that we face uh, with security has changed. But also what has changed are the opportunities that we have to address those risks. So um, starting in about 2019, we started seeing courts around the country uh, subject to things like ransomware attacks. Um, we started to undertake an evaluation of our system to say, are we safe? We know that other courts are being attacked. We know the impact of that. Um, just this year, in October of this year, the Kansas courts were uh, subject to a ransomware attack. It took them five months to get back up. They had to go back to paper for five months. So we started looking at this in about 2019. We had an assessment done um, in 2020. Uh, and ultimately what came back after working with a vendor was we learned that we were at serious risk of a breach. We learned that our security was, as they described it, immature, and we needed to make some significant changes to the architecture of our system. So we went to the legislature, we explained this, and they provided us with about $20 million, that's ARPA funding, that we're using to actually improve our system. We're using it to do things like um, shrink our threat vector. So fancy term. What that really means is there are different ways people can get into your system. Um, we currently, the way that our system is currently set up, we have a pretty large threat vector. We want to shrink that down. And so we're working on some things to do that. The other thing that we want to do is move our basic functions into the cloud. Um, and so we're working towards moving things like our case management system from an on-premise system into a cloud-based system. And so that would be something moving to a centralized system that the state runs rather than having it divided up between the 44 counties, is, is that right? Um, sort of. So right now, all counties are on the same case management system. Um, and so there it, we have servers uh, throughout the state where um, an entire single unified court system is running on a single case management system. So that exists today. Um, but that's not necessarily true of other parts and the underlying architecture and how you get to that system. And so what we are trying to do is unify that underlying architecture now. We'd still be on the same case management system. It would be hosted differently and you would reach it uh, through a state network. And so going back to that factor of cybersecurity, the kind of the goal here is to make it harder for people to break into this system. What does that mean for the average Idahoan who has records in the court system? At the end of the day, cybersecurity is a, is a good idea, but what does it actually mean for people? Um, so just to give you an idea of what the risk looks like, um, last month, so the month of January, um, we had over 250,000 attempts just by China to get into our system. 
Um, the fact is, is that last week we had over 6,000 attempts, high-risk attempts, to get into our system. And so what we've learned is that state courts hold a lot of very important information. If you've ever had a speeding ticket, we have your name, your date of birth, your driver's license number, everything they need to steal your identity. But we also hold other important information. We have trade secrets. We have small business bank accounts. Um, there are those out there who have figured out what we hold. Uh, and it's not just Idaho, it's state courts in general. We hear about 97% of all cases. Um, and so we see a lot of outside actors trying to get to that information they know what we hold. For the average Idahoan, um, we have to make sure that when they have to provide us with information, when you're stopped on the side of the road and you have to give up your driver's license, we are now gonna hold that information. Um, so we're trying to be accountable for that and we're trying to make sure we're doing everything we can to protect that information. But actually that's not even the most scary thing to me. So a ransomware attack where someone gets uh, enough information to steal your identity is scary. Um, what is just as scary, if not more scary, is the idea of what if someone gets into our system and suddenly information is changed. That felony that they don't want on their record so they won't have to register as a sex offender, what happens if that quietly goes away? Um, what happens if uh, that adoption, that that child became a member of the family, what happens if that record disappears? Our records are official court records. They actually impact how people live their lives. And so we've got to do everything that we can to protect them and to be responsible with the records that we're uh, accountable for holding. Okay. Well, we've identified the risks. We've identified what the court is trying to do about it. Let's talk about the funding now because there's, there's the one-time costs of making the changeover from the old system to the new system, and then there's the ongoing costs of keeping it running. We've referenced that some of the ARPA money went to um, the changeover. Talk to me about um, the, the court technology fund, I believe it's called. Can you talk to me about that fund and what the trends have been over the last couple of years? Sure. Um, so the Court Technology Fund is a dedicated fund. So when the courts um, started moving to a digital record in 2014, they came to the legislature and said, we need funding to fund court technology. Um, there was already a court technology fund that a small amount of money went in, but what the legislature did is they said, we're going to increase the fees that people pay on civil cases, and we're going to impose fees in criminal cases so that people who are using the courts are paying fees which will support court technology. At that time, there was an expectation on those civil filing fees that it they would increase about 11% year over year, and that would take care of any inflationary costs that come with court technology. Um, what we have learned over the last 10 years is that's not accurate. So um, the fees into the system, the fees into the court technology fund, they're dropping about 2.5% a year, so we're getting less money. Um, the inflationary costs in the system are rising about five, uh, actually 7% year over year. Um, so our revenue is going down, our costs are going up. What we've been doing is sort of cobbling together funding right now. So we had some money that was left over from when we moved from paper records to digital records. We actually came in under budget on that process. Um, and so we've been using that to keep things afloat over the past few years, knowing that at some point we were going to run out of funding. What is, um, what is that drop dead date for you? If you have a little bit of savings, but also revenue is going down, costs are going up, what's the, the, the break even point where the courts would go into the red? 
Um, so that's why we're here this year. Um, we will actually run out of uh, the, the savings that we have in that account in fiscal year 25. So the budget request from the court this year, the majority of it really is, we know what the system is gonna look like when we're done with the project. We know that we are serving over 5,000 people. Um, we know that the system is uh, it's spread across the entire state. We know to keep it safe what we need to do and we know we don't have the funding, and in fiscal year 25, we will be in the red. Um, if we just got a maintenance budget, in other words, if all we received this year is exactly what we received last year, we will be cutting services. We don't have enough funding to maintain the services that we have today. What's the court proposing that the lawmakers do about that? Does that look like more money from the state? Does that look like increasing those fines and fees that users of the court system pay? What's the solution you're proposing? So what the Supreme Court has asked is that we receive um, some general fund dollars instead of relying solely on the fines and fees that are coming in and going into that dedicated fund. What we have asked is to move some staff out of that dedicated fund and to have in the general fund some of our IT staff. Um, and so we're looking at about six point, uh, about $6 million in staffing costs that we're asking to be moved to the general fund. And then in addition to that, we're asking for about $1.9 in operating costs. So ultimately, we would ask that court technology not be solely reliant on this dedicated fines and fees, um, but rather that also there be some dedicated investment in that. Uh, to get to where we need to be to protect that system, um, we need additional dollars, and that's the budget request that's before the legislature right now. One final question for you. How receptive have the budgeting committee and the rest of the lawmakers been to that idea? You know, um, some have been very receptive and others have had questions. Um, I've been asked uh, things like, are we buying a Cadillac system when we really only need a Ford? Um, so I'm doing my very best to educate folks and to let them understand this is the risk that we face. Truly, this is not a program that the courts came up with on their own. We've been working with some global leaders in um, security for government services. We've looked at a lot of different options and there is some pain, there are some pain points here. Um, it's not, uh, you always have to balance security with the ease of use. Uh, and the courts actually really struggled with how do we make that balance? How do we make it easy for the clerks and court users to access the system? while at the same time making sure that we're doing our level best to ensure the security. So I will tell you that some have been receptive. Um, others have asked, is it really worth the investment to avoid a, a breach? Maybe a breach would be less costly. Um, we've tried to explain it's not just about the financial cost. It's also about trust and confidence in the courts. It's also about the impact on those people whose information that we keep. So there's a good, robust, ongoing discussion about it. Um, we're very hopeful that we, in the end, we will have what we need to continue to run the court system that we have, but in a more secure manner. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on those bills as the session continues. Sarah Omenson, State Administrator for the Courts, thank you so much. Thank you. Support for Idaho Public Television comes from the School of Public Service at Boise State University, providing objective and impactful research for Idaho and beyond, and academic programs with hands-on learning that equip students to be effective public service leaders. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho.
by the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.